All right, Mike, it's Forge World time. Are you ready? It is Forge World time. Time to make uh, some of that one guy we hang out with unhappy because he hates Forge World. Yeah, he hates Forge World. There's people that <laughs> always hate Forge World. I mean, um, I but... used to be one of those guys, and then I got a job. <laughs> and then you're like, hey, this is my new best friend. I, mean, I, I can afford it now. It's just like, oh, okay, okay. I see how this works. So Forge World's got all these great models that they make that are kind of like these specialized um, 30K models that, you know, in 40K, they've been supporting basically for a long time. And they've always kind of have this notion of, yeah, there's these relic units that stick around and you can get rules for them. And, you know, you can play them like, hey, I had a Leviathan Dreadnought and, you know, we just happened to find it in storage and it's ready to go. You know, that kind of thing. And um, Or it represents like rare, more uh, specialized, you know, options that wouldn't necessarily make it into the codex. Right. Uh, and we've also seen... We've also seen in some of the new uh, books, actually, as they come out, certain books um, happen to have, uh, you know, variants like Mastodons and, um, you know, all sorts of uh, old transports and, and vehicles and things like that. So they've, they've got these really cool vehicles. You know, some of them can be a real hassle to build uh, just because mm -hmm. there are the pains that do come with resin. But a lot of the models actually are uh, pretty easy to put together more or less. So they, they basically end up just being these kind of hybrid um, pit bashes between, um, you know, a 40 K model and some resin add-ons that they've added. So things like rhinos, they've got predators, things like that, different variants of them. Um, but in the grand scheme of thing, the reason we're talking about this is because they announced a rewrite to the Forge World rules, and they're finally getting around to actually releasing them. So this Friday, uh, as of the recording of this, this Friday is when they go up for uh, pre-order. And we got a sneak peek at the uh, table of contents today. So we get a chance to kind of take a you know, sneak peek at what, what has actually happened. So, you know, Mike, where do you, where do you want to jump in here? I mean, there's a, a bunch of places we could start. Uh, one, I guess, the, the thing that we here at the um, Tizkin podcast care about the most, of course, is that despite our best efforts, the uh, words... <clears throat> what's the Contemptor Dreadnought? Uh, the Asyrian... The Osiris. Yeah, Contemptor Dreadnought uh, yes. is still stuck in the dust of the past it has not made its way through the warp to 41k and so not at we, least in this book right yeah afraid not and let's let's just get this one off the table absolutely uh because i think even though it's not in this index there's still a chance that in the rewrite of the thousand suns codex they could potentially do kind of like what they did with custodies where they um you know, bring over the Forge World models and make them part of the core army. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they still can't be models that you buy from Forge World that are, you know, accepted as part of the um, the core codex, but uh, you know, or that they would need to be made necessarily by the you know the Games Workshop arm of GW. But I think there's still a good chance that at least from the Contemptor standpoint or the Osiren standpoint, um, you know th that that model can't potentially be used or have its own bespoke rules in the codex. You know, I would, I would not rule that out, but I would also not get my hopes up for it. Correct. So 
Um, so I guess otherwise. chaos is the 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 place you want to kind of lead us into here, huh? I mean, that's relevant to our interests because it's a big book. I mean, this covers. It looks like what they've done is they've merged Imperium, Xenos, Chaos, all into one book now. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, just based off of the table of contents, there's 224 ish uh, pages. Oh, page, well, um, yeah, all well, pages, but uh, data sheets in here, uh, effectively. There, we might have one or two pages of like unit um, faction specific rules, but right. uh, there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, though, not uh, there were some things that did not make the cut. Um, models that have no are no longer in production that uh, yep. are not listed here, which is unfortunate. It's always a, a shame to see those things go, <clears throat> but. Um, the big thing, I guess, is uh, I think in preparation for the new codexes coming out, uh, in addition to the just the fact that the, some uh, attrition occurs in the model range, is there are some things that are missing. Uh, I know that, for instance, the Hellforged uh, Predator is gone. Uh, I don't, and the uh, word Hellforge is actually not featured anywhere at all here um, under the uh, Forces of Chaos entry, which I, I think is probably a good thing. Uh, if our listeners will recall, the Forge World units for Imperium were called Relic units, for uh, Forge World units for Chaos were called the uh, Hellforge units, and because of the fluff behind those units, uh, the Chaos ones are always kind of janky. You couldn't heal them. Um, they were demonically possessed, and if they mm -hmm. blew up, they would kill every Psyker nearby. Um, if they... yeah, and, to get, and to get a little pedantic about it, you had it, you know, most of the units everybody took were from the Hellforged section there were a few items or a few units that were just regular chaos units so like the chaos um terex pattern th uh, termite drill so it wasn't actually a hellforged termite drill it, um, because they actually had a hellforged version of it um it was the actual chaos version that everybody used and then there were other kind of one-off i think it was like the chaos decimator um and then you had things like the um, the Chaos Vindicator Laser Destroyer, I think, which wasn't Hellforged at the time, but maybe it got FAQ'd to be. But, you know, here nor there, they had kind of this hodgepodge of different rules, right? And, um, yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's good that they're kind of doing away with it because there wasn't anything really, um, like, charming about those rules that made yeah. them kind of endearing in any kind of way. Like... Yeah, they, they were the Hellforge rules were kind of unique in that you could eat stuff and gain wounds, but there was no way to really kind of, you know, get behind that or there was you know, it was kind of hard to to really make good use of that just due to the fact that most of the vehicles had like really bad weapon skills or yeah. you know as much as it seemed like a good thing on paper, it really just never played out all that well on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, other things that um, are appear to be missing, Renegades and Heretics, which 
were very popular for seventh and then the early bits of eighth um, are gone. Uh, the model range hasn't been supported in quite some time, so I'm not really surprised. Uh, I, I think that, especially with the introduction of the new cultists from Blackstone Fortress and the um, sort of the some of the new models that are sort of could potentially sort of phase their way into 40k proper, uh, they no longer really had a place in the game. Now, it's interesting you bring that up because I thought as part of Blackstone Fortress, they actually had, it might have not been that box set, might have been a different one, but they had traitor guard, guardsmen in that. They did. So I'm wondering if maybe, you know, even though we see that army disappearing from the the codex here or the index here, is that the kind of thing where, hey, maybe a ninth edition, we're going to see an actual codex traitor guard? I mean, I don't know if it will be a Codex Trader Guard, but it's. I think that they're going to be included in the Chaos lineup in at least some way, especially so if you think about it. So the original Renegades and Heretics, they have their HQ choices, which really there was just the one Psyker guy. That was effectively a regiment. Malefic Lord? Yeah, Malefic Lord. And then they have their various types of Trader Guard and Mutants. And then they had their Psykers, and everything else was just cribbed off of uh, the Imperial uh, tanks and uh, weapon batteries. And so we already have the Psykers, again, from Blackstone Fortress. We have the Traitor Guardsmen. All we're missing is a, tra- a Malefic Lord-style character, and you can play full-on Traitor Guard. Um, it's, I think, easily a, a sort of a gimme option that Games Workshop could... Uh, with very so little would, effort and very sort of low intru- uh, barrier to entry, introduce a new chaos faction to answer sort of the well, cultists don't really cut it anymore. So maybe we can spin them out into this new thing that's actually useful. And that would make a lot of sense. Um, you know, you, you, they always have kind of the human element of the chaos side, which is never, you know, not the Astartes, the chaos Astartes uh, side of it, but you, you always have like the cultists and the, you know, the, the, you know, traitor legion or the traitor guard legions that have essentially been turned uh, like whole planets or, you know, yeah. what, whatever have you. I mean, they do serve a, a pretty big purpose as, you know, even if it's just cannon fodder that's out there, um, to have them play that way would be pretty fun um, and just kind of make it a little bit more balanced where, you know, like Chaos Space Marines, the cultists wouldn't really, you know, like you said, to see them spin off and, and have that be more, you know, traitor guardsmen. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we haven't really seen a new Chaos cultist model anywhere around. I mean, we've seen some some that kind of like the Negavolt cultists, but... You know, aside from that, we haven't seen anything really resembling like a new cultist kit, and they're well overdue for one. Yeah. Um, you know it it would be uh, it would be pretty cool if they if they went that route. Um, yeah. You know the um, the other thing I'm looking at here that's that's um, interesting. You know, before we kind of started the podcast here, we were chatting about this a little bit, um, and just the fact that you know you commented that they kind of when they stop production of a model, one of the things they do is they kind of give kind of like a grace period where you get, you know, like one run through the, through the codex. And I think, I think that was, 
really, really observant because if you're looking at, you know, some units in here, they still have rules, even though the production has now stopped on them. So you can't find them on Forge World site. A good example of that model is actually the um, Land Raider Achilles. Uh, now, it's always been kind of like an offshoot unit that, you know, it's a, it's a Land Raider with, um, I think it's like two twin um, multi-meltas, and it's got a weird um, ignore line of sight um, mortar off the front of the the vessel and it only transports half its normal capacity uh but it but it's um it, it's kind of like this weird land raider that they've had that's pretty cool and in some situations you can actually kind of make it work pretty good but then it just kind of suddenly disappeared from their website and i think a lot of people might have said oh well the rules are going to be gone for it or whatever and it's still there well i think to your point i i would think that this will probably be its last run um where mm-hmm. where we see this thing um, and they have, obviously, they've renamed the uh, the Hellforge. Scorpius is now the Chaos War One Scorpius, so it's kind of coming back in line with what we've seen on the um, the regular uh, uh, Space Marine side with a lot of those units. Um, yeah. And they've still kept around some of the bigger ones, like the Fellblade, the Mastodon, the, the Falchion, things like that. So you're still going to be able to put some of those really huge, you know, super heavy tanks on the uh, table. Yeah, one thing I actually I find interesting. So, last edition Games Workshop released a an almost entirely new Apocalypse rule set. It was its own completely separate game. The idea being you could play through this massive battle over the course of a few hours, like a normal 40k game, as opposed to um, a playing through it, I guess, normal way, the way that I, we've always played it before it came out. Um, right. And so I was wondering going into this if they would um, phase out the Titan Legions and the other sort of ridiculously points super heavies um, <laughs> in order to, because effectively you'll, you'll never play a game uh, with those if you're playing Apocalypse. Um, however, they looks like they decided to keep them in the, like the main game, uh, which... And not just that, expand them too, because yeah. now they've actually, you know, defined that there's now Chaos Titan legions in there. Yeah, and they also brought in the Warbringer Nemesis Titan, which is mm-hmm. a a new uh, Titan variety with a giant, like ridiculously oversized, compensating for something cannon. Yeah, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting if those Titan legions are, you know, I. If you if you played with one on the table, I, I can't imagine them being able to balance that in a way such that you could bring one in a two thousand point game and have it be. It's not that it would be unfair; it's just that it would die, and there wouldn't be all that much of a like a chance that you would have against good armies, um, like even the Reaver Titan that we played with. Despite all its wounds, its void shields, everything, like once you actually start hitting the thing, it dies pretty quick. Yeah. Um, even even to you know your normal heavy uh, you know anti armor uh, vehicle fire in the in the game. So you know on one hand I could see those things being really cool, like if you could just fit one into your army and then walk around with it, which would be cool. But in your normal competitive two thousand point games, I just don't think those will be um, those will be fieldable in in any like how they could actually make those rules work in a way that. You know, hey, this would be balanced in some some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I suspect what it is is, you know, hey, 
you know, let's play a game this Saturday. I'm going to bring my Reaver Titan and we'll have rules to be able to play this thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that those models are, are best used for narrative play. Um, and I think that that's, again, that's the reason why they kept them around is that that way, if you do want to do this huge, like all day mega battle between two massive clashing forces, you can still do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it makes me happy that they aren't literally shoehorning uh, us into playing Apocalypse uh, with, with that new data set, which I actually I don't even know if they still support it. I'm assuming that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, uh, the other big thing that I saw some people making a bit of a, a stink about, which I actually I think this is a good thing. Um, so the Death Core of Krieg is getting readjusted uh redone in in many ways um and just based off of the context clues of the preview i'm fairly certain that they're rolling death core into the astro militarum codex not like putting death core units in the codex but saying that hey this death core unit it works as an infantry squad. This death core unit works as a elite, like a veteran squad. Here are all of your special death core Krieg specific units, like the death riders, combat engineers, the death core marshal, things like that. Um, and that way, the uh, much like with space brains, if one if the astromilitarium gets updated, that'll allow the death core to also get updated to. Um, so that way they don't get left behind. We don't wear one of this weird sort of out of sync stepping forward of them being uh, so always one update behind, mm-hmm. uh, which is a problem we've had in the past. Um, and, they, and it seems like they've got at least two pages in the book here. So they have, it looks like it's uh, 52, then 53 for core rules there. I'm wondering if maybe what they have are, you know, the Legion rules and maybe, you know, the Death Corps actually gets a few stratagems, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe a few of them in there just enough to, you know, maybe something like what we saw in, um, faith and fury or something where you get a few splashed in for your legion. Um, yeah. just enough to give you some flavor and, you know, give you some unique tricks. That'd be pretty cool. You know, like yeah. pull out your shovel and charge. <laughs> oh. I mean, that's, that's, um, that's fantastic to me. Yeah. I mean, they, they, so we've seen some stuff that was maybe in the last run, kind of on its way out so the mana core batteries are gone uh, if you didn't know about what those things were they were these stupid variants of the mana cores uh that basically basically a mana core can fire a missile a turn and the mana core batteries uh can fire all their missiles in one go and what was gr- great for the imperium and horrible for chaos players was that you could pretty much fire you know, all your missiles and take out whatever you wanted, turn one. Uh, so like knights or whatever you wanted to face. And then you had plenty of room for all the other stuff in your list to deal with other armies. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's kind of good that they, they kind of did away with that. Cause I mean, at least the rules for those things were pretty, pretty ridiculous. I'll be honest. Um, yeah. But they've got a lot of the, uh, a lot of the same stuff, like all the Tau units, the tiger shark, you know, kind of everything you'd expect. That's, that's, you know, for the most part that we see get play today, there's I don't think there's any big surprises. Um, aside from maybe the fact that the play Hulk um, isn't in there, uh, it looks like for the most part, almost everything that we have been 
seeing is still in there, at least for this edition. Yeah. Eldar so, got hit with a bat again. It's very sad. <clears throat> so talk to me about that, because Eldar have been... <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I've been ignoring them uh, for yeah. the most part because they haven't really, they haven't really had any good rules here for a while. And yeah. uh, so, as an Eldar player, maybe you can explain that to me. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, so the, the, this <laughs> this release for Eldar isn't necessarily unexpected. So uh, Eldar used to have a fifth subfaction called Corsairs, which were effectively Eldar pirates uh, that just borrowed stuff from Craft Worlds and Dark Eldar. Um, and So, Yanari, but not Yanari? Like, yeah, pirate Yanari? Pirate Yanari, but they didn't get, like... They, they ran away really good. They didn't uh, charge into combat. They were cowards. It was actually so, pretty so shitty. I hated them. <laughs> shitty pirate Yanari. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, they were really popular for a while. They are actually borderline broken uh whenever they were popular and competitive play however they uh, never actually produced models for a lot of their range the hqs you had to convert the bikes they had conversion kits for the infantry um and so in eighth edition they gave you like if you have corsairs you can still use them but they suck and you probably don't want to um because literally you, if you took Corsairs, you had just took a detachment that had no command benefits. You gain no CP for it. Just they're there. Uh, well, now they're gone. They they've ceased to exist, uh, which is probably not, not unexpected. Uh, the right. their dedicated transport, the um, Vampire Raider, also is gone. Right, uh, which is sad because I just bought one of those. Um, <laughs> Mike and. Yeah, I'm sure it'll make a, a nice uh, display piece. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but I think it does again just go back to that trend of if there's no model for it, you're given a grace period of about one edition to sort of get your affairs in order, and then uh, they <laughs> they scrap it, or they'll legend you, and you can still play narrative games with it. Yeah. So unless unless we were to go through every unit here and and try and look on the Forge World website, see what is actually you know still able to be purchased and what isn't, you know you'd you'd kind of have to kind of do a differential of that and you know which ones aren't there and then look at if they have rules in here whether they're now going away already or whether you know this is kind of like their last run. Um, yeah. You know I. I don't think any of those are really, there's nothing that's really getting a heavy amount of use where they would just say, okay, we're killing this off and maybe making it a plastic model. I can't think of anything right now that sticks out that they're, that isn't showing up in the list where, okay, that would make sense. It shows up over in the, um, in the main codex. Now for a thousand sons, uh, I would think that, you know, just kind of getting back onto the dreadnoughts bit, um, I would think that if we were going to see them maybe try to fill out some more of the you know, slots and things like that, the easiest thing for them to do to introduce, you know, in a way, introduce new models or to, to fill out the rest of a codex a bit is to bring some of these models from Forge World over. I mean, they demonstrated again with custodies that, you know, that was a very good process for them to bring that stuff over. And I think a lot of people got excited, myself included, for that. So, 
mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe there's still, you know, room to be optimistic about that, but, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to set myself up and, and say, Hey, now I expect to see that stuff in the codex, but um, yeah. I, you know, I would look at this and say, well, you know, the, the bottom line I would hope for is at least something to turn like a Hellbrute into a Psyker um, or a Dreadnought or any of them really into a Psyker, um, yeah. like a Dreadnought or a Hellbrute. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, it makes sense to be able to have those kinds of units and, you know, the, the elites aren't in bad shape and that's kind of the one area where i haven't been able to figure out like how they would do this the right way like would they bring them as fast attacks or you know how would they how would they bring them over and and slot them in maybe they're heavy support units and you know who knows predators are still um they're still in there even though the you know like you were saying the hellforged predators are gone and the one thing that was significant about that was the fact that those predators actually had different gun loadouts um there was one that had like flamers that you could put uh, like heavy flamers on the spots. And so I start wondering, are they going to update the, uh, the codexes to support them? So the death guard codex is going to be a really, really important one to look at because it's going to tell us a lot about, you know, are they going to do these kinds of things for the other, you know, they're going to tell us actually a lot about thousand suns, but also a lot about chaos space Marines. And since we share a lot of the models, we're going to see, you know, do they port over the rules for those type of weapons uh, that we can just, you know, still maybe buy the models from Forge World, but they're now accepted in the Codex as a, you know, bespoke model. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm thinking that a lot of these weapon options, uh, as we could expect to see in a new Codex, um, the Chaos range as a whole is somewhat dated um, with. Uh, the I think they've had the same Chaos Space Marine kit as long as I've played the game. Um whereas Marines have got gotten new everything almost every edition. I think that we yeah. can expect that uh, they'll refresh the range sometime uh within probably this edition, I would Yeah, you think like rhinos and things like that and yeah. maybe coming out with a new variant of it or something to that extent. Because I mean yeah, you, I mean, you have so like look Chaos Forge Worlds, right? Yeah, there are Chaos Forge worlds, definitely. But like, so look at Sisters. Um, for the longest time, the Sisters of Battle Rhino has just been a Space Marine Rhino with a Sisters of Battle upgrade kit, same as the Chaos Space Marines. Well, now they have a bespoke Rhino that has like, is unique to them, which is based off of the Demos pattern uh, Rhinos, as far as I can tell. Um, and so I think that we can... It would be reasonable to expect that if they're starting to actually produce bespoke patterns of different types of war gear and rhinos, vehicles, and stuff like that, that we chaos might expect something similar. You uh, mean like its own special, like the chaos rhino would deviate more than just a rhino with some spikes on it? Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, I so mean maybe it can... takes on a different shape. It has different different looking armor. Um, you know, yeah. it, it starts kind of like how you have the plague burst crawler, you know, mm-hmm. it's its own thing. You get something similar where maybe chaos land raiders become their own thing. Um, yeah. yeah. And that, and, and at least you could form a base skeleton of it and then have variants for say, you know, slanesh, corn, zinch, and Nurgle, um, and just, mm-hmm. you know, make a box of it. Yeah. I, I but think we'll see. Definitely a reasonable approach. 
So what's uh, what's going to be the big thing on this whole, you know, this whole book that you're looking at first? You know, if you when you pick up your copy, you're looking through everything. Is it the points for some of these things that that are going to be your first spot to go, or are you going to be looking at the data sheets? I mean, I'll look at the data sheets first just to get an idea of what has and like compare it to the old versions of each of these. Um, that tends to have uh, treated me best, um, and then compare the the points uh that way we can sort of get an idea of what's still good what's still worth it um because there have been this actually yeah, those are data sheet today is like oh man this unit looks so good and then i saw the points I was like but why though um and yeah uh, that'll be the, the big takeaway is the if there is a unit that would be good but they they overprice it because that's traditionally been uh, Forge World's defense versus people claiming that it's overpowered is the price point on these models tends to be fairly high um, points-wise. And so I'm hoping that if Games Workshop is actually involved in the points this time, that things are a little more balanced. Yeah, I would hope so. Although I don't know how much, I mean, like you said at the very beginning, there there's what like 191 data sheets. Yeah. Um, and apparently, or there's 200 and something data sheets, but apparently 191 have been updated. And what that updating be? I mean, if they change the name, I guess that counts as being updated. But um, you know how much they've decided to update these things. It, it's been a long time. So they've had plenty of time. It, it's reasonable that they could have done a complete overhaul on these things. Um, obviously, you know, this week as they as they preview these things, we're going to see a lot more. We're going to know more basically before it gets to the pre-order time. But um, yeah, I think there's still going to be some waiting until the uh, I guess the um, uh, whatever the window is before we start seeing the online leaks and previews of these things to know. Okay, here's what they actually do, and uh, here's what the point changes are. I, I don't know. They didn't do all that much to the units in uh, the the ninth edition cutover, right? There wasn't a whole lot. I mean, uh, they got pretty much in line points updates with war gear, and then I think some of the um, the hulls uh, for vehicles and things like that changed just pretty much in line. Nothing that really stood out. Like, wow, that got hit really, really bad. Uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there was something, but um, this is where I would expect that, you know, this this will finalize what those models are going to look like in, you know, their 40K trim now for the rest of 9th edition. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely a reasonable takeaway. So in the chaos world, you know, for Thousand Suns, the... The unit that I saw that stuck out the biggest was the the Scorpius. Uh, well, there was actually two units, so let me say this. The Scorpius and the Termite Drill, from a competitive standpoint, were the two units that I saw play successfully the most on the table uh, with Thousand Suns armies. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that that changes? With, you know, with the... with Well, at least where they're sitting right now, do you think they're still viable? I mean, the so with the introduction of the duplicity uh, cult, the drill has taken a bit of a hit in terms of 
it, how useful it is. Uh, effectively, the, the you took the drill because it gave you the ability to deep strike your Thousand Suns if needed, and it was a fairly good anti-tank or just anti-elite thing after they came up, but fairly expensive for what it did. Mm-hmm. Um, with Riz, um, the ability to not only webway portal your guys in, but also duplicity them, you have the uh, Risen Rubriquet, uh, strategy that allows you just to have your guys stand up out of the dirt. Uh, their Thousand Suns have almost more redeployment options than any other army I could think of, uh, short of, I guess, Gene Stealer Colts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think the drill is going to be as necessary, per se, as it was in the previous edition. Um, still useful, I think, but um, we have other op- options now. Right. Uh, the Scorpius. I've always been a little, uh, I, I'll say, leery of the Scorpius myself um, in terms of t- like taking it in my one of my lists if I were to do so. Uh, the main problem being, of course, the price point. Uh, it yeah. is a fantastic unit. Uh, it gets a ton of shots at long range. It ignores line of sight, like good strength and damage and AP, and everything's fantastic about it. But it's really really expensive um and you think it's appropriately cost honestly last edition i didn't think so um when compared to for instance the whirlwind uh i don't know if the scorpius was necessarily worth it uh it was incredibly dangerous don't get me wrong uh but you're paying premium effectively it's more expensive because it has higher damage output, but it's just as fragile as a normal uh, rhino. rhino. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's risky. It's a risky choice to take. Uh, now with the changes to terrain, it potentially uh, is not necessarily as necessary as it was previously. Um, so a big thing, is in previous editions you'd have units that would just camp out of line of sight indefinitely and so you wanted things that ignored line of sight in order to be able to threaten those units um however at least with the the base um i don't know think itc has put out like a mission packet regarding terrain or anything since Mm -hmm. the edition came out uh it's very difficult to be completely out of line of sight and being in a ruin doesn't block line of sight. It's being behind the ruin that makes you safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we'll see. Uh, I need to see the points cost and what they've decided to do with the, it's main armament, but uh, I I don't necessarily know if it's as necessary, especially again, because we have so many extra tools now you don't need to be able to reach out and, touch somebody all the way across the board if I can just teleport a duplicity unit back there. Yeah, the thing that's always stuck out with me is that the Thousand Suns, I think I finally kind of grasped why folks struggle with anti-armor with the Thousand Suns. And it's going to be harder in Ninth edition until you know at least we get our codex and we see what options we have and what they do for point costs for some of these things. But um, one of the things from a design perspective that the army has a problem with is that 
the anti-armor options that Thousand Suns have uh, that are these are units that are that's what they're designed for is to take out enemy armor um, are all therefore or all themselves susceptible to armor or anti-armor fire. Uh, so things like tank versus tank, uh, or you know, mutilith vortex beasts. You know, basically, you look at your heavy support options across the board. They all they all have that same. It's kind of like they're vulnerable to heavy armor. Whereas you have units in other armies, uh, for instance, chaos space marines have havocs. Um, regular space marines have devastators, and you know, I guess eradicators now because they didn't have enough heavy support options. They needed more. <laughs> so, you know, I, I look at that and I just kind of think, you know, it's, that's one of the big things that's kind of making it tough to really field the army, at least from my perspective in the current meta, in that, you know, the first turn is still a problem. The, you know, your, your armies that can basically redeploy how they would need to. So like your gene stealers or, you know, armies, armies that can essentially hide the units that they need to, or give them good enough saves or, you know, uh, things, things to basically get around those mechanics. The thousand suns just don't have those other than just the same, put them in, you know, strategic reserves. So I look at that and I kind of think, you know, they, I, I would really like to see them rethink that a little bit, but maybe we see, a little bit of a resurgence if the predator gets some boon with his point costs or something to that extent where, okay, well, at least we're not paying an arm and a leg for these things that, you know, take away so much of what the rest of the army should be able to do. Um, yeah. that, you know, just to cap that off, I know in eighth edition, kind of one of our answers was, well, just smite like crazy. And yeah, I, you know, to a degree that works, but you know, enough. If you play a guard army, especially like a Cadian guard or or a Cadian army, it's it's not going to feel like a very fair fight, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think um, some of that will has actually been a will will be alleviated as the codex comes out. So far. I actually played my first game of Ninth Edition with Thousand Suns this weekend. It was very exciting, and. Um, it was interesting. Uh, it was a low points game. It was only 500 points. Um, however, the uh, Hellbrute uh, is actually incredible for its points value. Uh, with the the multi-melta now getting two shots, yeah. um, it very much felt like it was more than pulling its weight. And so uh, a good option for us now, so the, the Chaos Contemptor Dreadnought gets a twin-linked multi-melta. Um, if I recall correctly, that well, be... that's if they keep the yeah, if they keep the same loadouts, yes, yeah. and then that becomes an even crazier shooty version of the the same like double up on what yeah the Hellbrute does. And uh, I mean, looking at the the, um, the various chaos units, I, I think that we're going to see changes in what we bring. So, for instance, one of the popular units at last edition was the Leviathan Dreadnought with Soul Burners. Um, because it would just run across the table spewing mortal wounds willy-nilly wherever it went. Um, however, and I'll, unless the, this book proves me wrong, I don't expect soul burners will get the flamer puff because, again, they're, they're not actual flamers. Right. Um, and we're seeing a trend where units are having 
more wounds, at least on infantry. So you're like your transhuman infantry, so like space marines uh, and space marines accessories um, have multiple wounds, which makes a huge difference in your differentials on like smites or mortal wounds, um, because now you need to deal even more mortal wounds because unlike weapons, mortal wounds just always always applied one at a time. Um, and I don't know, the units that I think will become useful once the addition um, really changes and sort of comes out are things that either get so many shots that it doesn't matter or things that deal damage to. Uh, which we're already seeing, uh, at least somewhat. Like, the, for instance, the Heavy Bolter getting enough cha- uh, change damage, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually one of the funny things is uh, regular Marines are now two wounds, but their vehicles aren't. So one of the funny things I saw like this weekend was I, there was a Rhino. It has 10 wounds. And then 10 Tacticals got out, and they have 20 wounds collectively. And so it's just really weird um, math going on there. <laughs> where I realized when I was playing that the Thousand Suns army, which had more models, actually had fewer collective wounds than the like old school tactical marine style army did, just because that one little change. And at the end of the game, uh, the Thousand Suns won, but the uh, tacticals are still alive because the well, yeah, the bolters just couldn't quite chew through them fast enough with the two wounds and the, the armor saves and just like, just yep. really it's interesting do uh, you think that means they potentially re-tweak the infernal bolters a little bit i don't know they're gonna have to do something to balance it out because um, i'm thinking about it now and that that one small change where just all marine models now two wounds makes that all the marine killing units, like the units that they're like, that is their job is I kill marines well, uh, uh, will either need to be adjusted or they're out of a job. Um, yeah, this is the, the, the sad reality of it. Um, and I don't, I don't know if they'll, I, I don't expect that they'll change the Inferno Bolters. Um, however, they need to do something, uh, to, Maybe make the uh, Reaper auto cannon damage too. No, the the um, Soul Reaper cannon damage too. Um, yeah, actually, actually and, give it a roll. And yeah, well, they've got bigger problems there because right now you just have to take enough bodies that it. You know, the real we've talked about this many times. The real cost of it is all the bodies you have to take in addition to the cannon. So by yeah. the time you get to take the cannon, it's kind of like, well, this isn't worth it. Whereas if you could take it in a five-man squad, just like any other Chaos Space Marine squad with a heavy weapon or a tactical squad with a heavy weapon, mm-hmm. I mean, that would make complete sense. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, and then you could start to talk about, yeah, in, in addition to that, let's get the profile of it updated. Maybe it's uh, AP3 damage, I don't know, damage two, and it's still four shots or something like that. So, yeah. Though, so actually, thinking about it, the uh, rapier weapon batteries, uh are going to be excellent in this edition. Yes, they are with the heavy the heavy bolters. Yep. Yep. Those are uh, the quad heavy bolt or what is, is it a quad heavy bolter that they have that are just stationary? Mm-hmm. Twelve then, shots. 
I think that's the same thing that's on the uh, the Fire Raptor as well on the yep. uh, the Sponsons. So you know, and those although <laughs> Thousand Suns are not allowed to take the Rapier batteries, they are allowed to take the Fire Raptor. So <laughs> so we'll have to see about that. I mean, it it seems like they couldn't just say, hey, if you take uh, a Rapier battery, you have to take Rubric Marines instead of Chaos Space Marines. You know, I don't I don't know. It just seems like there'd be a way to make that work rather than just, no, you can't have them. You never had them to begin with. There actually is something that I'm just looking at here. The um, both types of drop pods for chaos are still in this code, the uh, new index. Yes, they are. uh, I don't, do they still make the models for Dreadclaw anymore? Or is it the curved disc that they they don't make? The Dreadclaw is still in production, um, although it is, I think it's under, it's called the Legion Anvilus pattern Dreadclaw, but that's okay. the same one that Chaos uses. Yeah, so the Curbdis is still in production. It's really expensive. And yeah, the Dreadclaw is also still there. But yeah, the the uh, those actually, I think, could, if Thousand Suns get them, could be very useful if the dread calls actually work like normal drop pods. Again, just another redeployment option. Yeah, again, cost becomes the big thing, right? Yeah. And what you pay for those, that's kind of where the the, the real problem was because a drop pod was about the same price as a drill, but mm-hmm. the difference is the drop pod comes down and there's not much you can do with it, whereas the drill comes down and it just, you know, can wreak havoc on stuff. So yep. you know, we'll have to see what happens there. Or you could take a Mastodon. Yeah, you still like that idea of taking the Mastodon with your uh, your noise marines and you know, putting the uh, the sound system in it. I just think that's classy. I have to agree. I, I think that would be a pretty damn cool sight, especially <laughs> with uh, the current meta in that you take a giant blob of them, you get out, and then you shoot. So you might as well, uh, you, uh, Mike. I think I think now's the time, man. Now's the time to commit to it. Definitely. Let me just. Uh climb through the travesty that is my backlog and I will get right on that <laughs> well you know that there uh, it would be a travesty if we uh, forgot to mention that uh, somebody didn't do something wrong well I mean obviously everyone who's listening knows that Magnus did nothing wrong yeah well Magnus didn't do anything wrong he did not nope, nope he did not and uh, hopefully he's able to uh, create the Osiren again uh, yep. You know, despite the fact that he designed it, he can it really bring it back and give it back to the Legion. He really does. 